Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is that it is Share the Show Tuesday. And this is the opportunity that we take to encourage you to share the show and to tell you what we're doing and why we're doing it. So I try to express to people, you know, we would all like to check out, but we live in the world. Our kids live in the world. Our in-laws and parents live in the world. And they are constantly bombarded with headlines and propaganda. And it's hard to make sense of it, especially if you have a real job, a day job, or you're in school. So what we do is we pick the headlines of the day. So the breaking news that we think is most significant from our perspective, not necessarily what they want you to think, but the way we look at it is these headlines are all generated by entities who seek to influence you, but their interests are not aligned with yours. So some of it's true, some of it's not true, but there's always an agenda being pushed. So we try to pick the headlines that we think go to something really significant, something that's coming or something that you need to be guarded against. We try to tell you what we think is factual or false in those stories and what we think the policy item or agenda that they're trying to push is. And maybe so you could be forewarned or get ahead of it. People have found it very useful as we've kind of seen these things coming during the COVID times. I mean, shoot, I even got a haircut in time because I could see that this lockdown was going to last more than two weeks. And other people have said stuff like that, too. But really, it's for bigger picture stuff like when. Binkley said, hey, don't go to the Capitol on January 6th or watch your back. I mean, if you understand the propaganda, you can read those signs and not everybody has the time to do it. So we do it for you. That's what we're here for. And with that, uh, I would like to ask anyone who is already a fan, not only to share the show today, but please leave us a five star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. If it's on a podcasting platform, please. This will be our last way of sharing the show broadly before we get taken down just like everybody else. So those search engines really matter. Your reviews really matter. And with that, uh, on with the show. Binkley, I know I usually go towards ever since Trump's out of office and that low hanging fruit, those like highly combative exchanges that were a little more fun to sort through are often the trademark of the Trump administration. Yeah, it was his way of um, I feel like he was distracting us all. And and I think he was. I, I enjoyed it. I liked some of the more combative positions he took, but. You weren't really paying very much attention to the policy. It was like there was no pushback. I mean, when the Republican is the one signing the four trillion dollar deficit, it's kind of hard to have a back and forth about the policy. But that's changed now. And I have tended to get a little bit deeper into the policy. There's one development that was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. I'm surprised it wasn't above the fold. It was below the fold. But it was this. China has introduced a digital yuan their currency. So they're taking Bitcoin to the Fed, kind of. And there are a couple of things they say this will do. The sub headline tells a lot. It says Cyber One will let Beijing track spending in real time and pose a challenge to the dollar. 
So those are the two things that are very important about it. One is when they track spending in real time, an example they gave was they could fine you immediately straight out of your wallet, basically for jaywalking. So they could train you like a Pavlovian dog. Wow. Right. And then so that's like their social credit score going right into your pocket. So they're setting up an automatic payment, but it's going right to them whenever you do something you're not supposed to do. Yeah, right. I guess it's like the reverse UBI for behavior. And it's what the IMF was talking about. I think George Gammon on Rebel Capitalist talked a lot about how I think maybe Christine Lagarde herself said that they would encourage certain behaviors. And I had seen this coming for like a decade since Bloomberg wanted to ban sugary drinks in New York. I said they're going to make it so that your first sugary drink is is taxed at 10 percent like everything else. And your second one is taxed at 100 percent. They are going to use taxation. And this is really a form of tax taxation to control your behavior. And the fact that they're saying it poses a challenge to the dollar, what that is, is giving us an excuse. And of course, two different officials by the end of the article I was reading, including Janet Yellen, our Treasury Secretary, I guess she is. She used to be head of the Fed, said that, oh, we've got a we've got a oh, we have to hurry up now. We have to do that now. Like we're behind. And of course, it's been in their plan all along. It was in the very first COVID bill. And it just it was just too much for people to get their minds around. So it didn't get adopted. But they also just like VR, virtual reality glasses were pushed on Supreme Court on uh, on Super Bowl Sunday as being a Uh, a way to help children who have no limbs engage in sports. I mean, of course, like this, there are good applications to basically anything. So they're saying it will... will speed relief to disaster victims. It will track crime. Of course, you know, one man's crime is another man's whatever, but it's just stupid. It's It implies that laws are just, that you want them enforced. You do not want perfect enforcement of unjust laws. I've always hated that. Uh, it says it will cut costs for the financially deserved poor. That's such a crack up. So they act like not having a bank account is some kind of mark of poverty, when of course, that's the biggest control mechanism in the world. And it's like the Obama phone. They absolutely need people controlled by the money, controlled by the propaganda, So I also think that this is a major signal, like we talked about on History Homos, which is going to be something we're putting up into our main feed. It was a great podcast we did on our on our vacation or whatever, on our meetup week when we're not going to be doing shows. We're going to be posting this stuff that uh, William over there agrees with me and I'm sure um, a lot of other people that what is happening now is just the way the UK passed the baton of world leadership, especially economic world leadership during the between the two world wars to the US. The US now seems to be passing that leadership to China. And this is just another uh, example of that. Also, the thing might have an expiration date, which is kind of an instant way of keeping people from saving, just spend, spend, spend. It's a great way to have a consumerism to bo- boost inflation. Wait, it has an expiration date? It might. And th- and I've actually, I remember Ezra Pound, he was, he supposedly commissioned the first, like, um, it wasn't the creature from Decal- Jack. Jekyll Island, but it was the first expose of the Fed, but he was like a fascist or something. Anyway, he, he was in an insane asylum, although he was a brilliant poet. And I remember reading, he said, money should have an expiration date. It should not be a store of value. You should separate the store of value from the medium of exchange. And actually, Bitcoin, I think, is the opposite. It doesn't, it isn't really a medium of exchange, that particular one, but it does seem to be 
going for the store of value thing. It's really, it is, it's, um, it's complicated. I never really had my mind around why Pound would have wanted that, but I think they want it to encourage spending to boost the economy. And of course that, or that might have an inflationary element to it. I don't know, but. They are developing cross-border protocols with the Bank of International Settlements. And that, to me, means this is real. It's coming. It's going to be everywhere. I've always thought Bitcoin was a stepping stone to the cashless society and not really the triumph of libertarianism over fiat currency. And I still think that. That doesn't mean people shouldn't buy it. It isn't the future. It makes it more likely that it's the future, I guess. Uh, depending on how this all shakes out. But it feels like that's where we're headed. And the fact that China is first is concerning. And then the other thing is it's concerning because the Great Reset made it clear that China is the model to follow in recovery, creating the Great Reset after the pandemic. Absolutely. That's the problem here is that they have a what is really a fascist system over there. They have they have um, kind of economic liberties and incentives without political liberties and rights. And that 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 they are the ones who are going to be that beacon, that shining beacon on the hill is alarming. And and another thing about when I read in that IMF blog that when the governments introduce a digital currency, they are going to. Uh, well, this said that for every digital one, there's going to, they're going to take away a physical one. And I don't know exactly how they plan on doing that, but the IMF said that the way they were going to do something like that or the way they suggest that a government do that is by having a declining exchange rate with, say, the greenback. So DigiDollar and the US dollar will be the same on day one, but by, you know, the second year, day 400, you're going to have to spend uh, more greenbacks to get one digi dollar. So your greenbacks will erode in value. And that's what this expiration date might lead into. The The fact that you're going to take stuff out of the the circulation. I think this all this is the future for the U.S. for sure. It's really interesting. The more we hear about cyber hacks and the cloud being hacked, the more there's a push to put everything on the cloud and make everything digital. I remember when cloud storage first came up and people were putting their pictures on there. I was like, I'm not storing my pictures on there. It's going to get hacked. It, the more information you put on there, the less control you're going to have over it because at any point in time, it's out of your hands. It can be taken away. And then, of course, things started getting hacked. So we're seeing how vulnerable we are, how vulnerable the cloud is, yet there's still a giant push to put everything on the cloud, make everything digital. I totally agree. And, and I mean, I know they say Bitcoin is like who's secure from that but we have a very funny shout out at the end of the show that will point out one of the flaws in that reasoning but anyway so that's my mathy thing for today i mean it affects everyone but this stuff is kind of hard to understand and certainly by having another country introduce it it feels like ugh, it's giving me tired head i don't want to think about it right now but it it will come these things always come it's like laws in california like they get to new york eventually you think they're never going to ban smoking the bars in Manhattan and low, you know, a decade later, it's it's like downtown L.A. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, but let's turn to domestic matters. What's happening in in uh, in the U.S., Binkley? 
Well, the Chauvin trial is in its second week of the trial itself, and the coverage of it has started to pick up a little bit. We're going to be hearing progressively more and more about it, obviously with a agenda angle from the news. But here's what's going on today. I don't think we got to what was going on yesterday, so I'll throw that in there as well. Today, they have witnesses up there that are police officers who are talking about the training that police officers in Minnesota get and whether or not what Chauvin was doing was a method that they were trained to do. And the witness that I saw was another police officer and his initial testimony with the prosecution was that Chauvin, that that wasn't what he was trained to do, but he kind of hedged a little bit, you know, but maybe some other training. He It seemed the witness clearly was trying to lean towards the prosecution because he was a little eager with that kind of answer. Then when it came to the defense questioning him, he reluctantly was answering the questions and the defense was presenting photos of here's a photograph of an image from a training document that this group of police officers went through. Does this look like what is what Chauvin is doing in the case of uh, George Floyd? And Yes, it, it did. It did look like it. It wasn't. They showed different angles of Chauvin putting his knee on George Floyd. And it was those different angles that looked more like it. If you look at it from a distance, it doesn't look exactly like it. But it appears from an outsider's perspective that the jury, unless they are tainted in some way, unless they are threatened in some way, is going to find with a defense. I the, what happened, obviously, was terrible. The whole situation is just terrible, and it's caused nothing but bad things. And it's going to cause conflict when this is over, unless it goes one way. But I just don't see the legal argument falling on the side of the prosecution. That doesn't mean that they're not bringing up a lot of great points. They are. But legally, well, it, I, don't see, I don't see them winning. And there's a reasonable doubt just with the fentanyl. Right. And and that's what was going on yesterday. Yesterday, they were talking about the cause of death. And what was interesting about it is the prosecution was hey, they framed the setup of their argument so that they were distancing themselves and discrediting their own medical examiner. I mean, that's 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 got to have an impact on the jury when they're the prosecution, their own medical examiner saying, no, no, this guy is wrong. We're right. It's it's a tough it's argument. Hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. They're good at what they're doing. It is interesting to watch. It really is interesting to see the little narrative warfare going on between the defense and the prosecution. But I think this is headed for trouble once it, you know, the the thing dies down. So foreign policy had an article a couple of days ago that is about de-radicalizing Christian QAnon people. And let me tell you what their exact headline was here. The exact headline, the U.S. needs de-radicalization for Christian extremists. And it's calling for programs that are used. They're designed to reform violent jihads and to use those programs to tackle the spread of QAnon and other conspiracy theories within the evangelical Christian communities. And they are calling for officials to draw on the expertise of civil society groups as well as religious, governmental, and communities, They're, and artists and social workers and influencers, they're calling on them, all these people that have helped combat extremist Islam, to combat domestic Christianity. So they're and how's it worked? It, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Openly kind to propagandize, de-radicalize Christians and QAnon associated with Christianity. That's it what, kind of you know, crazy. 
My first pass is to think of all that kind of weird sounding, overly Christian, like mean cartoon things that we were seeing coming out of from Gab to Lynn Wood as being just cartoonish. And that like that's what's drawing the fire. But of course, they I believe that that stuff was was promoted or actually made up or just pushed to the front so it looked like there needed to be some anti-christian response to that and i mean i'm kind of waiting for them to say it's not really christianity it's a bastardization of christianity the way they say that about radical islam being a bastardization of islam but in fact it seems to me that it will be an attack on christianity and not even what people might think because they hate christianity the big they capital t they but that it will spark a reaction so it will get those it will it will trigger a a half cocked response like a january 6th thing which they were trying to actually gin up which i don't think they did gin up i think that whole thing was the only uh criminal actors were agents provocateur they continue i think to try to get the right the way they brought identity politics to the right i think they want to bring uh, extra constitutional behavior or hopelessness for the law and order kind of thing to the right. And this is how they will trigger them to do it. Yeah. The exact language they used in calling for this, they said that they want in any long term and sustainable de-radicalization program in the U.S., must confront this new threat environment, which includes large numbers of militarized white nationalists. That's who they're clumping in with Christians and QAnon. And the fact that they're using a long-term and sustainable de-radicalization program as the language that they're using is kind of scary. And they call them militant when presumably they're the crowd that went to January 6th without their mm-hmm. guns. Like, I do not <laughs> yeah, understand, totally. you know, what kind of a threat and insurrection that they don't bring their guns to is. I've been seeing articles pop up all over the place saying far right extremist Trump supporters still believe that the Capitol Six insurrection wasn't violent. And, and, you know, they don't go talk about how there was no guns there. It wasn't. The guy had a heart attack, right? (laughs) Yeah. So ridiculous. We know a lot of people who listen use Discord. And we have a great server on Discord. Thank you. We can't. I think it's worth pointing this story out today that Discord is has banned more than 2,000, quote, extremist communities for violent content. And this is in the second half of 2020. And that doubled the amount that they banned in the first half of 2020. And the reason, well, at least it appears to me the reason they're doing it is that they're trying to show off for Microsoft because these actions have come at a time when Microsoft is in talks to acquire Discord for like $10 billion. An example of the types that they are banning is the latest round. They banned people who were devoted to the Boogaloo movement and obviously the QAnon movement. So I don't know how, what, how they classify that, but there's a group called Unicorn Riot, which is tracking this, which is kind of like one of these groups like Grab Your Wallet or the Sleeping Giants group on Twitter, which all they do is go around looking at people's Twitter and finding reasons to cancel them. And this group, 
tracks them and they will report you and it's worth noting that discord complies with warrants in the last six months of 2020 discord complied with more than 1100 subpoenas and 900 search warrants according to discord itself so remember discord gets a warrant for anything they ain't protecting your rights well, I've, I think we've mentioned this before. We have mutual friends, podcasters who were in a, in a four person conversation on Discord and one person said something a, a little over the line and all four of them got a personal visit to their houses for, from the FBI. That was on Discord. And there were two other people we know, one who got docs for being uh, in January in D.C. on January 6th, got a visit to the house. And then a um, the Fedora Chronicles, a guy did a who invited me on his podcast was very he was a very gracious guy. He said he wrote a blog post and it elicited. I hope he said this on the air, a visit from the FBI physical. That is nuts. Speaking of conspiracy theory. If you go over to the Anti-Defamation League, you find it. What the Anti-Defamation League does, they have a list of radicals and they, you know, it's like profiles of extremists and extremist terminology and symbols and stuff like that. And within their extremist terminology section, and they, they, they label this education and extremist terminology, they have conspiracy theory. And they classify it as an anti-government extremist term, movement, and philosophy. And they say, this is what they say about conspiracy theory. A false interpretation of a matter that explains its subject as the result of a conspiratorial undertaking. For example, a conspiracy theorist might claim that a nation is secretly under the control of some sort of cabal rather than the actual government. But conspiracy... <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's going to go to the last story of the Free 30. Yes, it is. And they also cite the Capitol riot as being sparked by conspiracy theories. And want us to go over there. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes. You can read the full definition. So in our last story of the Free 30, we're going to talk about if we are heading into parallel universes or not. Two popes, two presidents, two economies, and now two governments, it feels like. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we get to that, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the Patreon 15, which is what we can, what we can conclude from the claim that there is long covid and we're also going to talk about how well does facial recognition AI read your emotions, as well as my experience getting called out for going maskless into a store, which was interesting, to say the least. And, of course, a big thanks to our sponsor of today's show, The Rye Guys. Do you love freedom? Does the daily news leave you shaking your head? Does mindless conformity give you the heebie-jeebies? Are you surrounded by people who just don't get it? Are you right now wearing clothes? You over there, yes, you. Do you like cool clothes? Well, meet the Rye Guys, makers of fun, freedom-loving t-shirts and more, quality products for independent thinkers and other such troublemakers. We make each of our handcrafted tees with equal parts satire, mischief, and rye social commentary. Put on one of our tees and you'll meet kindred spirits, share a laugh, and enjoy great conversation. Take off one of our tees and, well, we're not here to judge you. We support liberty, peace, and voluntary solutions to societal ills. And you have our word, our products are never tested on animals other than sacred cows. So, stop by today at www.ryguys.com. That's W-R-Y-G-U-Y-S dot com. Ryguys.com. The Rye Guys. A rye wit for today's shit. I love that ad. <laughs> Me too. 
And if you haven't yet, check out our premium content on patreon.com at patreon.com slash propaganda report. We offer a variety of tiers there. Each tier comes with another layer of live interactive events with Monica and I and other patrons as well. We have a great thriving community in there. Lots of really engaging conversations and great information. And for example, of what you will be able to access with some of our higher tiers is our first Friday disappearing patron parties or our VIP DPPs, both of which are a blast and we let our hair down a little bit, maybe have a few cocktails. You can also possibly participate in our patron Zoom parties, which to me kind of feels like a roundtable discussion of ideas. And we also, we gain a lot of valuable information. We try to have some specific topics from time to time of things that are on people's minds. So it's always, always get a lot out of that and you also can have the possibility of getting a live on-air shout out and we even offer promotion and sponsorship opportunities so that you can share your products and services with like-minded propaganda report listeners and some of our tiers will even get you propaganda report swag very high quality swag i will say monica insisted on quality and that is what we got we have great t-shirts great fitting comfortable and we also have these mugs which are solid beautiful mugs that if somebody ever breaks into your house you can whop them over the head with it because it because it's a powerful <laughs> mug and it's, it's so cheerful beautiful. in the morning and it's huge it is it right is <laughs> i love the big coffee mugs because the small ones you just can't get enough coffee in it and i need caffeine so check that out in fact if you become a patron saint today we will send your monica will send you because she has the packaging stuff over there and she will send you a propaganda report mug or t-shirt whatever your choice is so check out those tiers at patreon.com slash propaganda report and finally if you like the show help us spread the word help us grow by leaving us a five-star rating and review over at itunes this helps us show up higher in the search ratings and visibility is what we need right now because we are getting pressure we want to make sure that we get the name out there get the show out there before we get kicked off the platforms and it also makes us feel good and helps us stay motivated doing the show so and thank you for everybody who has left kind, great messages. I really appreciate it. I know that helps me. I'm sure it helps you, Monica, as well, when we read the kind words people have to say. With that, on to the final story of the Free 30. This was in keeping with what we've been talking about. Stacey Abrams versus Ilan Omar, left versus left, a dialectic within a dialectic. And and what I'm talking about is Stacey Abrams made such a stink about the election law in Georgia, which left you, me, Garland, everybody just like, what are they even talking about? It's just there was yeah. nothing to it. We wish it had been stronger, not ra- the racial stuff, notwithstanding. But the only thing was... ID laws, which are this isn't the first place to ever have an ID law. So but George is drawing all sorts of fire. And Stacey Abrams said, I'm not ready to call a boycott yet because it will hurt people of color. And we're trying to protect them. Elon Omar said enough is enough. Something like that. Anyway, it's just it's all so much theater. But what I really think and I know I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, mouth, Binkley, but I think that you have led me to this place, too, with the World Economic Forum stuff where they are getting and the same thing happened with COVID. You saw with Event 201, they go in the World Economic Forum and the, these other, quote, big philanthropists, which are really just this backdoor fascism, and they get the corporations to influence government the way. Brzezinski laid it out 50 years ago in Crisis of Democracy. It's a problem when people really have a say in the rules and we need to use institutions to hijack any democratic processes. And that's exactly what's going on. You have all these people led by Stacey Abrams, who has a an internships, the length of her arm of deep state stuff, of corporate stuff, of um, world government type stuff. And she is 
at the center of these calls for corporations to take more of a role in drafting legislation behind the scenes. I mean, it is it is the supposed grassroots activists calling for fascism. And McConnell plays into that. Not he points out that it's wrong that the corporations are doing it, but he's giving he's validating the idea that they are responding to the grassroots call that they take action, that they represent stakeholders, not just shareholders. But that is language straight out of the World Economic Forum. And I'd like to tell you what McConnell said. You said something earlier about training us, about like Pavlovian training us. That's also what a little bit of what's going on here is training the public, especially the younger generations, Pavlovian style to react to corporations in that way with the belief that corporations, it's your job to involve yourself in culture and shape the culture and stand up for us. And that they're, they're begging for fascism without even realizing what it is. And then and that those corporations overriding the democratic process, the the democratic republic, those processes is really dangerous stuff. And just like when Trump was calling for an end to the filibuster and those sorts of things, you have to realize the reason the rules and the processes are in place is to protect the minority. It's to protect you when the other side is is trying to run roughshod over it. That's why you don't. That's why this reconciliation thing that Schumer's bringing down these ways they're shoehorning in these these multi trillion dollar packages by just a straight up and down 50 51 vote. It's it's dangerous stuff and it shouldn't be that easy to change these laws. Yeah, they're telling people that it's democratic for corporations to take over the planet. Right. And and that's definitely not true. And he point because, look, if 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 you need if you can't even get 50 percent of the votes on your side or just 50 percent of the votes on your side, then it's not clearly like this good versus evil. Like these guys are truck drivers who like Trump are not evil. They're not running anything. They're hoping for either principle or to have their own interests represented. So you can't just act like there's only one right way. And the, but the way McConnell's presenting it, he's saying these corporations are being bullied into bullying. But they're being bullied not by Stacey Abrams. Well, Stacey Abrams, I, I consider her as working for the World Economic Forum. But it's the, not being bullied by what he calls that the, these activists are creating or calling for a quote. This is his quote, a woke parallel government, a woke yeah. parallel government. So it's not about woke. These guys are working for the World Economic Forum and and the activists, somebody like the beard, like Stacey Abrams, is running cover for the fact that it is the global elite that's pressuring these corporations who are benefiting from regulations, tax codes, everything else in yep. their own words, in the World Economic Forum words, yeah. that they're doing it for that. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. They act like they're standing up. And we, we heard the thing about, well, you have to speak to your shareholders from Brian Kemp of Georgia. We know that's not true. We know it's the stakeholder capitalism and these corporations that are doing this, that are doing these virtue signals, they're going to get rewarded by the World Economic Forum, by the investors that there are investors that have emerged that are specifically paying companies to do this type of thing. And the incentives you talk about and with the parallel stuff, we're also seeing the parallel companies emerge on the right as well. So kind of we talked about the my pillow thing a while ago when David Hogg on the left he said, "Well, screw my pillow, I'm going to make we pillow, you know, a communist pillow company." We're seeing that happen on the right with the parallel world that right people conservatives can feel comfortable going to. That's the 
theme. There's a couple more things that he said that I think is worth exploring. I think we should probably pick this back up on the patron 15. And uh, in the meanwhile, let me just give a shout out to our latest patron saint. Very excited to have Dan on board. I'm going to send him either a big giant coffee mug or a uh, awesome t-shirt. Your choice, Dan. And then JMO has a pretty awesome shout out. He says, uh, shout out to you guys for all the effort keeping many listeners informed and entertained. It's quite an art. Shout out to the Fed for stacking 28 trillion. Shout out to the Bitcoin I lost in a boating accident. Shout out to new and old listeners and neighbors for the garden. I'm still working on a couple of good questions for the Q&A, but shout out to those who have had great ones so far. So I think we have a Q&A this weekend, but I think this Friday is we're going to do a Q&A, but I will tell you we had we only got through two out of six pages of questions <laughs> last time. So we'll try to go a little faster, but um, and if you want to throw some more questions at me, but we will not get to it this week, but we do have a we'll probably have a, a an omnibus Q&A this week and then get back to normal normal proportions after that i gotta get i gotta get some control but we invent these things and we try to make them work and it's a little bit of a learning process but it's always fun and interesting so thank you jmo for shouting all that out now on to the patron 15 all right you guys can find your drive time news blaster week afternoon at the prop report.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to that extra content we were telling you about earlier Go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and become a patron or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. You can check us out there as well. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the page of 15.